Sing this chorus with me. Come like a whirlwind and fill this place. Come like a downpour, let it rain. Come like a fire and light us up. Do something new here, overwhelm us. Oh, come like a whirlwind to fill this place. Come like a downpour and let it rain. Come like a fire and light us up. Do something new here Overwhelm us We've seen salvation And we've seen healing We've seen
This morning, we get to baptize Amanda Shepherd. If you remember, she came to Jesus, what, about three weeks ago, September the 18th, and uh, she wanted to follow the Lord in baptism. Yeah, give her a hand. And um, So, Amanda, we're going to ask you, Go ahead. so you know Jesus, and are you, is it your desire to follow him and serve him the rest of your life? Yes. Yes, it is. And uh, so we get to baptize you, okay? And when we, when we baptize you, we believe, just like Jesus was baptized, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, okay, and anoint you, fill you. you, you you're full of the Spirit of God, but He's going to come upon you because He's got a great purpose. Does that sound good? All right. Yes. So, Amanda, we just uh, we baptize you because of your profession of faith in Jesus as Lord of your life. We thank you, Lord, and we bless her and we baptize her now in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. You are dead in sin, but alive to walk in newness of life. Amen. Okay. 
So Lord, we just pray over Amanda. We ask, Holy Spirit, come upon her, God, and use her, use her life, use her testimony, Lord, to bring many people to the Lord and to advance your kingdom greatly in this hour, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Lord, we just praise you this morning, Lord. We worship you for who you are, Lord. Lord, you are a God who is love. And we ask, Lord, that your love would spread through this place this morning, Lord. That it would spread from here and throughout into all the region, Lord, we pray. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Let healing flow, Lord. Let deliverance flow, Lord. Let salvation flow, Lord. We give it to you today, Lord. And I will worship you for who you are. Now I will worship you for who you are. Now I will worship you for who you are. Jesus. We'll sing that. I will worship you for who you are. Now we'll worship you for who you are. Now we'll worship you for who you are,
Your promise sure, your love endures always. My soul secure, your promise sure, your
Psalm 139, it says that in our mother's womb, we were formed, that God knew us before anything at all had ever been created, we were already on his mind. that's a lot of love if we were his first thoughts like that before the very world before the very universe was created for all of creation he knew us he was even thinking about this very moment before this earth was even here Thank you, Lord, for thinking of us. Thank you that we're always on your mind. 
sing this chorus. Before the mountains, before the oceans, before the rivers, land and sky perform, you knew me. Before the heavens, in all creation, before the very first breath of life, you knew me. Before the mountains, before the oceans, before the rivers, land and sky perform, you knew me before the heavens and all creation for the very first breath of life Precious thoughts you named me and in your sight I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. You search me, Lord. You search me, Lord, and you know me. When I sit and when I rise. For a word is on my tongue, you know it all. Such knowledge is too great for me to attain. Before the mountains, before the oceans, before the rivers, land and sky before you knew me. Before the heavens, it's all creation. Before the very first breath of life, you knew me. Where can I go from your spirit? If I go down to the depths or ascend into the heavens, you are there. If I rise on wings of eagles or on the far side of the sea, even there, your hand will it will guide me. You search me, Lord, and you know me. When I sit and when I rise, before a word is on my tongue, you know it all. Such knowledge is too great for me to attain. Yeah. Before the mountains, before the oceans, before the rivers, land and sky were born, you knew me. Before the heavens, it's all creation. Before the very first breath of life, you knew me. Before the mountains, before the oceans, before the rivers, land and sky were born, you knew me. Before the it's all creation, for the very first breath of life, you knew me.
Nothing is hidden from you, Lord. We can't escape you at all. You always chase us down. Where can I go? Verse 2. Where can I go from your spirit? If I go down to the depths or ascend into the heavens, you are there. If I rise on wings of eagles or on the far side of the sea, even there, your hand will guide, it will guide me. You search me, Lord, and you know me. When I sit and when I rise, before a word is on my tongue, you know it all. Such knowledge is too great for me to attain. You knew me before the heavens and our creation. 
Well, this really is a uh, remarkable time. I, I take, you know, preaching the word really serious because I know that till much is given, much is required. And I'll stand before the Lord one day. I, you know, when these things happen like happened this week in, in our nation, there are all kinds of, you know, people, men's wisdom and all kinds of explanations. And, uh, but the only explanation I know is to look in God's word. I don't really know a whole lot. How many of you are like that? I mean, we know just enough to know we don't know what we ought to know, which is not a whole lot. And we know that we can do nothing without Him. We know nothing unless He gives us knowledge. We can see nothing unless He opens our eyes. We cannot hear unless He gives us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. And that's my prayer, that God would give us ears to hear today. I believe that He has shown me a few things. And uh, I want to I want to release that and uh, pray over folks, see what God does. Man, what an amazing song! Overwhelm us. We couldn't get the words at the beginning because I think our computer was updating, so the words were unapproachable. You know, I don't know, but we got it for the last song, so good, right in time. Overwhelm us, but it's wonderful, and we really appreciate the worship this morning. You know, um, let's just pray, okay? And. Lord, we thank you for this morning, and Lord, uh, all that you're doing. Lord, all of us, we just want to be close to you. We want to hear your voice. Lord, we want to be walking in the center of your will. Lord, we, we thank you that we get to see your acts and, and your ways, but we want to know you. We want to know you. We want to see you. And so, Lord, we ask you today for ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. And God, I pray that you would do things that are absolutely impossible with man, but are more than possible with God. Lord, we thank you. There's nothing anyone is walking through, anyone is in facing, that you're not bigger than that. And we thank you, God. We ask you to show up strong this day, Lord, in America. Lord, we know it's not by accident that this storm came during the ten days of all during the Rosh Hashanah, the Feast of the Trumpets. And we ask, God, that we would truly hear and truly turn to you in this hour, Lord. We thank you for your mercies. God, you're, you've been so merciful to our nation to send warning after warning, to shout and to blow the trumpet. Well, God, we're listening, we're hearing, and we know many aren't, but we do, and we honor you. We honor you. We declare your lordship. We declare there's no other God, there's no other king and, but the name of Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. And you know, in Psalm 103, 
It refers to how God made his acts known to the children of Israel, but he made his ways known to Moses. Now, there's the will of God, there's the acts of God, but we want to know the ways of God as well. It's the ways of God that produce the will of God, or maybe it's what it is acted out that brings to pass the will of God. And by the way, that's the only thing that ultimately is going to be done on the earth, because the church has been praying for that for over 2,000 years. Is that right? Lord, let your kingdom come, let your will be done. And the will of man, you know, right now men and women are trying to finagle things to get their will and their way. But I'm telling you, only the will of God is going to ultimately be done. But, you know, God does speak in storms. I know you could be called a fanatic if you believe that. I believe it because God's Word confirms it. And I don't care what anybody tells me. If I see it, I'm going to believe it. And uh, let me just share a couple things that I believe God is saying. But in Nahum chapter 1, verse uh, 2 and 3, it says, God is jealous. How many of you know God's jealous? What's He jealous for? It's a righteous jealousy. It's not the kind of jealousy that we have as humans. We understand. He's jealous for our heart. But God is jealous and the Lord avenges. The Lord avenges and is furious. The Lord will take vengeance on his adversaries, and he reserves wrath for his enemies. The Lord is slow to anger and great in power, and will not at all acquit the wicked. The Lord has his way, say his way, in the whirlwind and in the storm. He has his way. Now, the will of God, there's the way of God's and the acts of God. The way of God is that which we can see the will of God unfolding. And I don't believe it was accident that this hurricane, Matthew, you know it was the 13th named storm. You know, I, I'm, you know I'm asked, I just know, I'm telling you this is the way I felt. When I knew it was going to hit America, my heart sunk because I knew there was something bigger, something beyond. God was up to something because I knew what the Scripture said about storms. You know, we're not living in some haphazard, you know what will be, will be. I believe in a sovereign God. He's holy. He's greater. His power. He's going to make His power known. And I thought about this. You know, if this storm had just hit one little area, that might have been, you could have been bad, but it just went right up the coast. And we haven't even seen the financial implications yet. And I know that it could have been much, much worse, but it hit St. Augustine and many of the foundational places. You know, Jekyll Island. You know, you, you, some of you may not even know what happened at Jekyll Island. It's where the Federal Reserve was birthed. And we won't go there. It would take too long. You'd open up that can of worms. But I, I you know, there are people live there now. We don't want them to get hurt. But, you know, there's some stuff happened. I'm telling you, man thinks he's in charge right now. He thinks he's getting his way. He's about to be greatly surprised. Because God rules and reigns. But anyway, went on up, you know, Hilton Head and uh, the Space Coast. I thought, well, it went along the Space Coast. That was a place where America had at least, used to have a little pride, you know. I don't mean a bad pride. We, we landed a man on the moon. And they're all, all, they hit all these places. Somebody sent me a word. I won't go there. I'll, I'll get, I'm going to stick to the subject. You read it later. But in Matthew chapter 13, Matthew 13, the 13th name, Storm, in verse 1 and 2, it talks about how Jesus spoke from the midst of the sea. His disciples were on the shore. 
And he got into a boat and he spoke to them. And then in verse 13 through 16, you may want to write this down. You can look at it later, but it talks about, you know, how there was the hardness and, and how that not only did God speak. In fact, look over there for a moment. Let's just look at that. You guys with me? Anybody in a hurry? Nobody's in a hurry. We got to hear this stuff. And again, you may say, well, who are you to give definition? I'm just somebody, I'm just, I believe God's word. That's, what, that's who I am. I just believe what he says. And anyway, look in verse chapter 13 there and verse 13 through verse 16. Here's a condition of America today. Or you tell me if this doesn't sound like us. Therefore, I speak to them, that the Lord, in parables, because seeing they do not see and hearing they do not hear nor do they understand. And in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, Hearing you will not hear, and shall not understand. And seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they've closed. Lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their heart, and turn. What does it mean to turn? To repent, so that I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes, he's speaking to his disciples, for they see and your ears, for they hear. And then over in chapter or verse 37 through verse 43, it talks about the separating of the sons of the kingdom from the sons of the wicked one, the wheat from the tares. And I, how many of you believe that's happening today? God is separating the wheat from the tares, the just from the unjust, from those who serve God, from those who say they serve God. That's over in Malachi. And God's doing this, this incredible uh, sheep from the goat and all of these things. And you can see that. And then in verse 49, it's interesting. He says, so it will be at the end of the age that the angels will come and separate the wicked from among the just. And this year that we just entered into in the, on the Israeli calendar, I know it's the year of the sword. It's also, someone said, it's a year about the end of the age. And if that's true... We're living in a really unbelievable, incredible time. And then one more thing in verse 57. So they were offended at him, but Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own country and in his own house. And I thought about, God, at one time you were honored in this nation. You were honored. People honored the Lord. They honored your name. But there's been a great departure. But not from everybody. Because there's a remnant. Now, was it yesterday, the day before, I was trying to remember this scripture that speaks clearly about storms, the purpose of storms, and I couldn't remember. You ever been there? You can't remember. Confess it. Anybody else there? I just couldn't remember. I just, I can't remember. Where is it? Where is it? And um, if you can't remember, you can't remember. But anyway, so I said, Holy Spirit, would you help me to remember? That's a good thing to do. You ever done that before? You ever lost your keys? Jesus, mercy, help me find my keys. And if that doesn't work, I call Shirley. She always finds them. It's always. No, that is the answer. It's the Lord. But anyway, so he draws my attention to Job 33, where it says, but God may speak in one way or another, but man does not perceive it. Remember that scripture. God is speaking. Man can't get it. They don't understand and so that's how I found the scripture. Look over in Job 36. Job 36. 
And I'm going to actually end up, it's going to be very encouraging, okay? Say encouraging. I mean, it has to be. We have the good news. It is the good news. But you have to tell the news first, the way it is. Did you know the wages of sin is death? No if, and, or buts about it. You can sugarcoat it. You can water it down. You can pretend it's not there. The wages of sin is death. But that's not the end of the story, is it? But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. But notice in uh, Job 36 and verse 24, when someone asks you, why is all this stuff happening? Well, just, let me just read it. Listen up. Verse 24, remember to magnify his work of which men have sung. Everyone has seen it. Man looks on it from afar. Behold, God is great. Say, He's great. And we do not know Him, nor can the number of His years be discovered. For He draws up drops of water, which distill as rain from the midst, which the clouds drop down and pour abundantly on man. Indeed, can anyone understand the spreading of clouds, the thunder from His canopy? Look, he scatters his light upon it and covers the depths of the sea. I saw somewhere on the Weather Channel there was something unusual about this storm. They had this lightning above it. They caught this picture. I thought, well, that just confirms. But look in verse 31. For by these things, by these things he judges the people. He gives food in abundance. He covers his hands with lightning and commands it to strike. And the word strike means to hit the mark or strike the mark. God doesn't do anything with random. He does things with exact purpose in mind. And uh, you don't like, we've missed the mark. And if you've sinned in one point, you've broken the whole law. Well, God hit the mark. His son hit the mark. And so he gives us some reasons. And thus, and the thunder, verse 33, declares it, the cattle also concerning the rising storm. Now, if you look in verse 31 through verse 33, here's the reason storms come. Number one, by these, he judges the people. Number two, he gives food in abundance. So there's, it's a blessing. He brings the rain so that the crops will grow. That makes sense. And then he commands it to strike. God has a purpose in mind and concerning the rising storm. Let's go in and read verse chapter 37. And this also, my heart trembles and leaps from its place. Hear attentively the thunder of his voice and the rumbling that comes from his mouth. He sends it forth under the whole heaven, his lightnings to the ends of the earth. After a voice roars, he thunders with his majestic voice. God is saying something, in other words. And he does not restrain them when his voice is heard. God thunders marvelously with his voice. He does great things which we cannot comprehend. For he says to the snow, fall on the earth. Likewise to the gentle rain and the heavy rain of his strength or his majesty. He seals the hand of every man that all men may know his work. The beasts go into dens and remain. Look down in verse 11. Let's skip a little bit. And with moisture, he saturates the thick clouds. He scatters his bright clouds, and they swirl about, being turned by his guidance. Who's in charge here? That they may do whatever he commands them on the face of the whole earth. He causes it to come, whether it for correction, say correction, or for his land, which is the mercy, let it rain so that the crops will grow, or for his mercy. Listen to this, O Job. Could stand still and consider the wondrous works of God. 
Do you know when God dispatches them and causes the light of His cloud to shine? Do you know how the clouds are balanced? These are those wondrous works of Him who is perfect in knowledge. Now, it just sounds like to me when you read that scripture that God is in charge. Did anybody else see that but me? No, so when somebody says, God was in the storm, and they say, oh, that's ridiculous. God doesn't do stuff like that. Everything is happen chance. Well, then you can take them to Job. And if you forget, ask the Holy Spirit to remind you, and he will. You know, I was thinking this week also about David Jones. I appreciated him. He, uh, you know, he's a really fiery Pentecostal. I'm as fiery as I can be because I came out of the Baptist tradition. You know what I mean? He came out of Pentecostal. If I came out of Pentecostal, I might get jump and skip and all that stuff too. He was doing some of that. I said, God, how come I don't do that? He said, I could do it if I want to, you know. You know, you might as well. They're going to think you've lost your mind this hour. If you really live for Jesus, folks are going to think you've lost your mind in this hour. They're going to think you're from another planet. You are. The kingdom. You're not of this world. You're in it, but you're not of it. So we just get used to it. But I was thinking about David. He preached on humble is the way. You know, if there's ever been a time in history to humble ourselves, it's now. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he'll lift you up. God resists the proud, but he gives his grace to the humble. Look over in Isaiah. I want to show you something in Isaiah real quick. and We're going to end up in Psalm 27. But God is going to deal with pride. First, he's going to deal with the pride in the church. He's already doing that. We just hadn't recognized his mighty hand. You know, judgment doesn't begin in Washington. It begins in the house of God. And if, if he, you know, if, if we're scarcely saved, you know, the scripture says. He talks about that. I don't know why we don't read those verses anymore, but it's all there. But anyway, I was thinking in uh, Isaiah 25 that God will have the final word concerning the trickery and the pride of man. There's a lot of trickery going on right now. You know, a lot of deception to get people to vote. A certain way to think a certain way to act a certain way you know maybe it's always been that way but it's like God is pulling up the skirt and we're seeing the deception we're seeing these things we're seeing people for who they are not by what they say but who they are and it's just an incredible time that we're living God's going to deal with it and I thought about it in chapter 25 you know it talks about praise to God. That's the title of chapter Isaiah 25. But if you go back in chapter 24, it's the impending judgment on the earth. I thought, well, that'd be a good place to begin. You don't want to end up there. I would rather end up in chapter 25. So I'm going to start off in chapter 24, the impending judgment. And it talks about in verse 16 of that, the treacherous dealers have dealt very treacherously. Indeed, the treacherous dealers have dealt very treacherously. So he just repeats that. Verse 17, fear and the pit and the snare are upon them, O inhabitant of the earth. And it shall be that he who flees from the noise of the fear shall fall into the pit. 
And he who comes up from the midst of the pit shall be caught in the snare. For the windows from on high are open, and the foundations of the earth are shaken. You know, there are various windows, I guess. I know there's the window of blessing. When you give your tithe, open up to me. You know, the windows. There are other windows that God's opening up in this hour, but he says there that the foundations of the earth are shaken. Verse 21, and it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord will punish on high the host of exalted ones and on the earth the kings of the earth. After many days they'll be punished and all this. And it looks like God's just going to deal with it. But look in chapter 25. Therefore, verse 3, therefore the strong people will glorify you. In the midst of all that God is doing in this hour, the, those who know their Lord know their God are going to be strong. And there, you talk about worship. Worship's about to go bizarre in the church because there'll be a reason to worship. You know, right now we have to work it up. We have to try to figure it out. Why should I be worshiping him this morning? Do you know what happened to me Saturday afternoon? You know, this kind of stuff that goes on during the week. We have to condition ourselves. We have to fight through. I'm telling you, just to get here is going to be a fight through in the days to come. And folks are going to worship with abandonment. I'll show you that in just a moment. It's somewhere in here. But anyway, I hope I can get there. Anyway, the strong people will glorify you. Verse 4, for you have been a strength to the poor, a strength to the needy in distress, a refuge from the storm, a shade from the heat. For, for the blast of the terrible ones is as a storm against the wall. And uh, notice in verse 6, And in this mountain the Lord of hosts will make for all people a feast of choice pieces. I'm going to try my best to figure out how to sum this up. There's impending judgment in one chapter, but the people of God that know God are strong, and they're getting excited about the times. Now look in verse 9. Now this is one of those verses you may, you may want to put on your, on your refrigerator, if you guys still do that. But look in verse 9. And it shall be said in that day, Behold, this is our God. We've waited for Him. He will save us. This is the Lord. We've waited for Him. And we will be glad and rejoice in His salvation. And you know what I'm talking about in that verse? There'll be a time, I'm, think, I'm telling you, stuff's going to get intense. And you're going to say, This is our God. This is the one for whom we have waited. He is the God that will save me. And not any man. And we will be glad and rejoice in his salvation. Then look in verse 11. And he will spread out his hands. First of all, let me, did you know that God is a swimmer? God took swimming lessons. How many of you remember swimming lessons? I remember. Where did I, it was the YMCA. I'm going to buy, I'm going to get off, chase a goose. No, a rabbit. You don't chase a goose. But you ridiculous. You chase a rabbit. Anyway, I remember at the Y taking swimming lessons. I tried to cheat. I thought maybe I could just cheat my way. Anyway, it didn't work. <clears throat> to make a long story short, I was found out I had to learn to do it right. You have to do it right. Well, I'm going to show you God's a swimmer, and he does it right. Verse 11, and he will spread out his hands in their midst. As a swimmer reaches out to swim, he will bring down their pride together with the trickery of their hands. The fortress of the high fort of your walls, he will bring down and lay low and bring to the ground down to the dust. See, God is a swimmer. He'll bring the trickery and he'll bring the pride down. But I'm telling you, God 
is up to something big and it's time to rejoice. It's time to get excited. Now in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 15, you don't have to look that up. Let me just remind you. It says this, see then that you walk circumspectly. What does that mean? Carefully. You don't want to be drunk with wine. You want to, you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit in this hour. You got to be careful. You don't want to go anywhere unless God sends you. You don't want to turn to the left or to the right. It could be the difference in life or death. I was, you know, we have this tree in front of our house. We're going to get it cut down, but it's threatening. Shirley's been telling me for the last two years, cut that tree down. I said, Shirley, you know how much it costs to cut that tree down. But if it falls, <laughs> you know how much that's going to cost. It's going to cost a whole lot. I don't know how I got off into that, but you don't want to be foolish. That's it. Foolish. Listen to your wife. Cut the tree down. So I caught a guy last week, and he came out, and he said, man, yeah, the lightning struck this tree. You could fall. If it falls, it's going to fall on your bedroom. So I would advise you to have the tree cut down. He said, guess what? Because lightning struck, you can get a little money for it. So I called up Farm Bureau Insurance, yes. It's not as bad as I thought it was. I mean, it's still a big chunk of change to cut down a stupid tree. But still, it's not that bad. It could be much worse. But you want to be wise in this hour. Say, be wise. I don't mean to be silly. I'm trying not to be. But you've got to be a little silly in this time or you're going to go berserk. You're going to go bonkers. The world's going. The world has lost its mind because they've rejected God. God turned them over. To a debased spirit, a debased mind. They're going to do things that we thought were not even possible. you got to remember that they are sons of the devil. Daughters of the devil. And we're the sons of the kingdom. But anyway, you want to be wise. Because it says in there, be, be, but is wise redeeming the time because the days are evil. I mean, if you know the days are evil. You don't have to be convinced. And then over in chapter 6 of Ephesians, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might, that you can stand in this hour against all the host and wickedness and all these things. It says, being able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. And the first way that you stand is stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth. we got to know the truth. got to love the truth. you got to stand on the truth. You know, truth is an enemy in this hour. How I many of you know that? If you proclaim the truth, you're going to get shot at. You might get hung. The truth is hated. But the truth is not just facts and figures. The truth is a person. And we have to stand and cling to him. But to say the days are evil, and this is an evil day, is an understatement. Yeah, I should say this too. You know, also, there's stuff going on right now in Russia. How many of you knew what happened October the 3rd through the 7th in Russia? Anybody? Our news media is not going to tell you what's going on. They're preparing for nuclear war. They had this drill where 40 million people participated. 40 million, just, you know, something... You, they couldn't even put it in the comic section in America. They don't want you to know. But they got all of the Russian, you know, forces, 
underground bunkers. I think they moved 40 million people in underground bunkers. If we had a nuclear drill, would you know where to go to your local closest underground bunker? No. But Russia's getting ready. Now, why you say, why is Russia getting ready? They may know something we don't know. They also know that they were threatened by our own State Department. How many of you knew that? No, you don't know that. Our media is not going to tell you. But our State Department threatened Russia in regard to Syria, and they said, basically, if you keep what you're doing, which is killing ISIS, your soldiers are going to go home in body bags. That came from our own State Department, from our government. And what else did he say? He said, or your cities may be, how do they put it, bombed, terrorized, something like that, from our own State Department. Now, what kind of fools would say something like that to Russia, especially a nation that's been disarming behind the scenes? It's foolish. I thought, this is just an incredible time, God. We don't even know. Our people aren't being told what's happening in Syria. We're on the wrong side. Russia is defeating those who were killing the Christians. And we're not happy with it. It's a long story. You're just going to have to study this stuff for yourself. I heard one story about, you look it up. If you don't want to go there, don't go there. But I heard they said that there's a plan to build a pipeline through Syria. And so in order for that to happen, they have to overthrow Assad... And they have to get him out, break up Syria into many countries, whatever, a sovereign nation. And I thought, God, you mean, you mean it's something, something like that? It's about money? And then this scripture came to my mind, the root of all evil. You know, the love of money is the root of all evil. And I thought, it couldn't be. It couldn't be. And it reminded me of this movie. Now, don't judge me for watching this movie. It's years ago. But I remember it was... Uh, Die hard. And these terrorists take over this big Nikasaki Tower or something like that. Remember that? And uh, there's a New York Police Department so, uh, officer in the building spoiling the plans of the terrorists. Anybody else see that movie? You want to confess it? You know, so you know you saw what happened. <laughs> He's in the midst. I thought, now this is prophetic. There he is in the, in the midst of this situation spoiling the plans of the enemy. He's inside Secret, man, inside doing stuff that's spoiling, messing it all up. But anyway, the terrorists finally get their, their bombs or whatever it was. The policeman's wife is one of the hostages. I'm going to skip through. Some of you remember the story. And anyway, um, so she discovers that he's really just a two-bit thief. He's trying to steal money out of the tower. And she says, you mean to tell me you, you, you did all of this, you took over a giant skyscraper just because you're a two-bit thief. And, she, and he grabs her and says, no, I'm an exceptional thief. You know, you know. anyway, it, to make a point. I thought, God, there must be more to this stuff going on than what we know. Because people told us that scripture, for the love of money is the root of all evil. They said, really, it's all kinds of evil. You remember that? You've heard that. Many of the interpreters said it can't be true. All evil, the root of the love of money is the root of all evil. We got to add all kinds of evil in it. So they did. I looked it up. Guess what? All kinds is not there. The love of money is the root of all evil. 
And when you begin to see the things happening in the earth, and you, it's taken years to understand some of this stuff, you say, God, you knew exactly what you were talking about when you put that in there. What an amazing time in which we're living. But I'm telling you, we're in the midst of this tower spoiling the plans of darkness. We're in the midst of it. You're, you, God has put you where you need to be for such a time as this. In fact, that word evil in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10, for the love of money is the root of all evil. Evil means worthless. It refers to the depraved or, or injurious, but it's just absolutely intris- intrinsic evil. The love of money, it's an intrinsic evil. Looks like to me there's a group of people in the earth trying to grab the world's money. That's what it bottoms down to. But guess what? Guess what God said about it? He said, the silver is mine and the gold is mine. So therefore, if it belongs to God, guess who gets to get on it? Get in on it. You and me. You know, these folks that think, whatever they think they're doing, and you can read about it, you know, I'm starting to see some of these things, this global government and all this stuff. I heard Hillary Clinton said this week, the dream is a borderless society. You know, man, we know exactly what's happening. We can read it. We know. It's all going to come crumbling down right at the last moment. I mean, it'll have its way for a time and a season. But we're going to spoil. I'm telling you, God's got you in a good place. Make sure you get close to him. These are the ten days of all. It's a time to repent. If there's ever been a time to say, God, search me and try me. See if there be any wicked way within me. Today is the day. You don't want to play religion. You don't want to play like you're really right with God when you're really not. You don't want to be a hypocrite. Man, there are hypocrites in the political world left and right. In the church, you don't want to be a hypocrite. You know what I'm talking about. And those of you watching by web stream, now I want you to go to Psalm 27. It won't take too long, but I want to look at some things that I, I will encourage us. Now, if some of you think, what in the world are you talking about all this stuff? I don't know how. All I know is God has to show you these things. But it's all in the Word. He says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. we got to study to show yourself approved. A workman that does not need to be ashamed. And we don't look at the world. That's not where we get our ultimate information. But the world confirms what God said in His Word. How many of you know that? It confirms. It just, it's right there. And so we're the head and not the tail. We know what's going on. The Bible says the righteous will understand. The wicked will not have a clue. That's why you, if you try to convince people that are outside of Jesus, you know, what's going on today, they're going to look at you like you're blue in the face. Or look at you until you're blue in the face. Or they're blue in the face. But it's not going to be good. There's going to be a lot of color involved in it. It's not going to make sense. You ever, how many of you know what I'm talking about? You try to tell people. Man, the stuff going on right now, it's not like they're telling you on the TV or on the news there's more stuff, and they look at you like you're from outer limits. They can't see. They're, they can't. The wicked, is not, they're not going to be able to see. That's why we got to get them in Christ. we got to go for the harvest. That's why God is delaying His judgments. That's why He's blowing the trumpet. Because with, He wants, it's His will that none should perish, but all would come to repentance. Okay, Psalm 27. You guys still with me? 
I need about 20, 15, 10, 15 or 20. I don't know. Look at this. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear? Let me ask you, whom shall you fear? Whom shall you fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and my foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me, in this I will be confident. Confident in war? Are you kidding me? One thing I've desired of the Lord, that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, and to inquire in his temple, for in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle he shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. Therefore I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy upon me and answer me. When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not turn your face from me. Verse 11. Now, verse 10, when my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in a smooth path. Because of my enemies, do not deliver me to the will of my adversaries. For false witnesses have risen against me, and such as breathe out violence. Now, here's another verse. Here's a verse. Verse 13, another one you may want to put on your computer or your somewhere where you can see it. I would have lost heart. Had I not believed, I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I would have lost heart had I not believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And then verse 14, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Now why is this psalmist so encouraged? You know, why is he confident? Because there's a lot of stuff going on that could shake his confidence. And I want to look at that. There's a whole lot of things. Now, first of all, we need to, to understand in the Scripture that, you know, we're all going to go to heaven if you know Jesus, right? Remember that old song, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, you guys don't know this song, we'll sing and shout Shout the victory, remember? I actually have the words of that in case I got bold enough. It says, listen, while we walk the pilgrim pathway, clouds will overspread the sky. But when traveling days are over, not a shadow, not a sigh. Onward to the prize before us, soon his beauty will behold. Soon the pearly gates will be open. We shall tread the streets of gold when we all get to heaven. Remember, when we all get to heaven, we don't hear a lot of preaching of that anymore. We need to. We're going to go to heaven. You say, well, we don't need to hear about that. Listen, 1 Peter chapter 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead to an inheritance. Say an inheritance. Incorruptible. Incorruptible undefiled, that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. That's not all bad, is it? Okay. But obviously, we didn't get saved and then just 
journey on into heaven. We got this life to deal with. So what are we going to do about it? Well, I believe Psalm 27 is going to give us some real keys. Because we're going to, I'm telling you, if you've not been there yet, you're going to get to verse 13. I would have lost heart had I not believed I would see the goodness of the Lord. Not just in heaven, but in the land of the living. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, how many of you have been there? You would have lost heart. You would have given up. Had you not believed, you would see the goodness of the Lord. Not in heaven. Yeah, you'll see it in heaven, but in the land of the living. So we're going to look at what this psalmist had to face. It won't take but just a couple of minutes. That helped him not to lose heart. Say, I'm not going to lose heart. I'm telling you now, I'm not prophesying to you. If you've not been there yet, there will be things coming that could tempt you to lose heart and give up, throw in the towel, go home and quit. How many of you are there now? Anybody there? You're right there on the verge. You know what I mean? You ever been there? I remember when I wanted to quit college. <laughs> you know, anybody ever there? You wanted to quit? I quit. I quit. I, had, I just remember that day. I'm walking across the bridge in the bayou. I quit, God. This is too hard. Yeah, this is nothing. What are you talking about? Quit. Quit college? Are you crazy? I didn't quit. I just sat out a while, went and worked offshore, and uh, worked on an oil rig. It was a lot of fun. But anyway, how was it that he didn't lose heart? Well, look in verse 1 and through, 1 through 2. It says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and my foes, they stumbled and fell. So number one, when the wicked come against you. Here's what the word wicked means in the Hebrew. It means to spoil. It means to break in pieces. To good for something that is good for nothing. That which is bad physically, socially, or morally. Anything ever happened to you bad physically, socially, or morally. But look what happens to the wicked. It says he defines the wicked as my enemies who stumbled and fell. It won't be you. It'll be your enemies that stumble and fell. The righteous, they may stumble seven times, but they always rise again. We always, but our enemies will stumble and fall. You know, your enemies are his enemies. And God looks at it that way. And Almighty God, if you let him do the battle, the fighting for you, you'll find your enemies will stumble and fall. He's faithful, the wicked. They stumbled and fell. And then the next thing, though an army shall encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. You know, it seems like we're living in a day where the enemy has been stockpiling weapons just for this time. Have you noticed that? And like the biggest hordes of hell have been released. There's stuff being released over our nation. A lewdness, a perversion. Unbelievable. Darkness and deception. We just got to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. That's the answer to all of this. The light is greater than the darkness. But though an army shall be mounted up against us, we're not going to fear. Listen to Philippians 1.28. We are not to be terrified, the Scripture says, by our adversaries, which is to them proof of perdition or their destruction, but to us salvation, but that in God. And so when we refuse to fear our enemies... That is a sign to our enemies that you're about to meet your destruction and I'm about to walk in salvation. 
because of the God that I serve and he's faithful to me. And then the next thing in verse 3. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me, in this I will be confident. How can you be confident in the midst of war? Well, if you look in verse 1, he tells you, The Lord is my light. Say, He's my light. And He's my salvation. Of whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Even in the midst of war, you can have hope. He's your light. He's your strength. He's your salvation. Now look in verse 5. Here's another key. He said, For in the time of trouble, He shall hide me in His pavilion." So how can you not lose heart in a time of trouble? How many of you know there's a time of trouble coming such as never has been in all of history? It is the day of trouble. It's on the horizon. It's not only on the horizon. I think it's, it's slipped in. It's already begun. But look what's going to happen. He said he will hide me in his pavilion. God has a big pavilion. You know that. He's got a big pavilion you can run and hide under in the secret place of his tabernacle. He says, he shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted above my enemies all around me. Therefore, here's the real worship. In the midst of the time of trouble, therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing. I will sing praises to the Lord. If you understand the context, he's saying, I will sing. I will sing praises to the Lord in a time of trouble. In the time of trouble, the greatest worship the church has ever known is going to break out. Because we're going to discover how faithful God is. Though everything seems to be shaking, though 10,000 are falling at our right side, our right hand, no evil shall come near our dwelling. It's an incredible time. You're going to shout I'm telling you, if you think you've worshipped God, you know, some folks are just getting where they want to feel comfortable raising their hands. You know, you kind of, you want to do it. You're feeling a little more comfortable with it. I'm telling you, it's about to break out. It's about to go where we've never gone before. And then another thing. Look in verse 9 and verse 10. It said, do not hide me. Or verse 10 says, when my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. He could have lost heart. Now, these are all reasons he could have lost heart. He could have lost heart because his mother and father turned their back on him. But the Lord would take care of him. Now, my mom and dad, most of you, some of you, your mom and dad's already gone. But I thought about this week. My son, our son, had to have surgery on his left knee. He had to have surgery on his right knee about, what, two years ago. Right before David Hogan showed up. The right, the same day. And so Josh this week has uh, the other exact, they said you don't normally do the exact same thing to the other knee that you did to your other knee. Anyway, he's all laid up and he's in the house and we'll take care of him. I thought, well, God, if we have to leave him in Charlotte, who's going to take care of him? God, we, I want to be his mom and dad. So we are right now. We're being his mom and dad. We're helping pick up his leg, help him get to the men's room and all that kind of stuff. But anyway, guess what? If you've been forsaken... God will take care of you. Some of you, you're all by yourself. That touched my heart, what Philip was sharing. He doesn't have a family yet. You know, you're probably a good-looking young man. So, God, we ask you to raise up a family for Philip. God, raise up a godly wife for Philip. You can do that. 
You can do it, God. You did it for me. Do it for Philip. In the name of Jesus. Now you watch what he does. He's a faithful God. But you know, when our closest of loved ones forsake you, God will take care of you. Everybody deserts you, God never will. And then verse 12, got a couple more. Do not deliver me to the will of my adversaries. So that almost caused him to lose heart, the will of his adversaries. You see, there's our own will, which needs to be broken and put under submission. There's the devil's will, which it, for a short time will look like he's getting his way on planet Earth. You know what I'm talking about. It'll look like he's getting his way for a short time, but ultimately the will of God will emerge and crush the will of darkness. And if we've already been crushed in our own will and yielded to him, his will's going to be done in us. So everything looks pretty rosy to me if you're in the will of God. Though the shaking is going to come left and right. God will not submit us to the will of our adversaries. I would have lost heart, but guess what? You adversaries, your will is not going to be done. It ain't going to happen. Just tell them that. It ain't going to happen. I'm a child of God. I'm blood-bought. I'm under the blood of Jesus. I'm redeemed. I've got a, an inheritance reserved, incorruptible, undefiled, reserved in heaven for me. And also, not only will I have eternal life, I have abundant life. He came to give me life and to give me more abundant. His blessings overtake me. I'm the head, I'm not the tail. I'm not under a curse, I'm under the blessing of God. I'm a child of the King. I'm born again to a living hope. Redeemed by the, the will of God, by the blood of Jesus. You can just go on and have a field day and all that. And then look in verse 12. He says, do not deliver me to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me. Now, that can cause you to lose heart. False witnesses. You ever been falsely accused? If you haven't, get ready. Just say, I'm getting ready to be falsely accused. You had not lived until that happens. If you try to follow God, it will happen. Often by those who you think are the closest to you. It's just going to happen. And then the last thing he says in verse 12, and such as breathe out violence. I've never had my life literally threatened. Have any of you had your life literally threatened? Some of you, literally. If you've been on the mission field, well, in South Africa, I can believe it. Yeah. But, but he delivered you, didn't he? You would have lost heart had you not believed you would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And I don't know what's going to happen in this hour. I know if you're radical for Jesus, you're going to be society's number one enemy. So what? We're ready. Because greater is he that's in us than he that's in this world anyway. And so such as breathe out violence and all these things. I would have lost heart had I not believed I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. How many of you are going to remember that verse? Just say, I would have lost heart. I would have lost heart. I would have lost heart. If I had not believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And I'm going to see it because he promised it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Pretty good stuff. Does that make sense? We need to pray. If there's anybody here you don't know Jesus 
And for anybody, anybody watching, you've never met the Lord. This is the day of salvation. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And with the heart, man believes, but if he confess with his mouth that Jesus was raised from the dead, you shall be saved. And I just encourage you, if you don't know the Lord, in fact, is there anybody here? You say, I don't know if I really know him. I don't know if I really know him. I want you to pray for me. Anybody. Say, would you pray for me? I don't know if I know the Lord. Anybody. Did, you didn't raise your hand, did you? No. I know Jabez knows the Lord. But to somebody watching, I bet you. So let's just pray together. Let's reconfirm our faith, okay? Just say, dear God, I believe in Jesus, that he is the son of the living God, that he died on the cross, and he rose from the dead. I confess I'm a sinner, and I ask you to come into my heart, be my Lord and Savior, forgive me of all my sin. I turn my life over to you. I ask you to fill me with the Holy Spirit. Fill me with power and use me to be a mighty witness for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand. Amen. And Lord, I just pray right now this morning, I pray your blessing on everyone that came into this building. God, whatever storm they're in, whatever they're going through, we ask God for your greatness and your power. God, we pray right now for sickness. You're not only the God that saves, but you're the God that heals. And in the name of Jesus Christ, we break the power of every disease, every spirit of infirmity, every assignment of hell that's assigned against your people. Lord, we thank you. You're a sovereign God. And Lord, this is an hour where you're going to just supernaturally heal people because they just are reaching out and they're grabbing hold of you. So right now we grab hold of the hem of your garment. We thank you, God. Nothing is impossible. And we bless and release the healing power of Jesus in this place. And we thank you, Father. We thank you, God. In Jesus' strong name. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a shout. God bless you guys. Hallelujah!